0: Church, please know that we love you. We're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Um, our dear friend Chelsea uh, Chelsea Haines had her baby last Tuesday. Tuesday morning, um, Avery was seven pounds fourteen ounces, or I should say, Avery is seven. She was born at 7 pounds, 14 ounces. She is wonderful. The baby is great. Mama and Daddy are wonderful. Mom said she's great. Dad said he's hanging in, trying the best he can. So... I said, Luke, that goes for all dads. <laughs> that's, that's all of us the same. Uh, so they are at home resting, doing well, or getting as much rest as you can get with a uh, six-day-old six six baby. So um, what we have done to be a blessing for them and to help them out, we have set up a meal train to deliver or to get them some food in the evening times for dinner. A couple of you guys have already done that. If you're interested in doing that, let me know. We have it all set up on a website. You can order them something at a restaurant, and they can deliver it to them or you can take them something yourself either way if you could help us out with that if you could help them out with that they would be grateful Um, and it's all set up online so you can see everything there so I can get you all that information if you would like to help out with that cool all right y'all John chapter 10 we'll get there in a minute so yesterday we had a funeral here for our friend Bill Santilli for his dad, Angelo Santilli. Uh, we had his funeral here. And anytime I'm around funerals and death, I start thinking about life. Does anybody else do that? Thank you. Which I think is a good thing. It's Not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. But I start thinking about, like, my life and what if my life was to end sometime soon and what have I done over the past 41 years, the people I've met, um, would I be satisfied with my life if it ended today, um, do I have other things that I want to do, some priorities that I want to, want to make sure I get done before the end, because here's the deal, we all have an expiration date, amen, we all have a time where our life is, comes to an end, our earthly life comes to an end. Charles used to say, he, he was so dumb, he would say the same thing every time. He would say, there's a new stat out. He would say, have y'all seen the new stat? And of course, everybody would say no, but the stat is the same stat that he told the last time he told the story, but he would say, there's a new stat out. The newest stats say that one out of every one person will die. That's been the newest stat since the beginning of time, actually, but he would say, there's a new stat out. One out of every one person will die. All of us have a time where God has placed for our earthly life to end. Uh, we, have a, uh, we read in, in Ecclesiastes, there's a time, there's a season for everything, there's a time to be born, and there's also a time for to die. And um, so when we start thinking about funerals and death, I always start thinking about life. And I think about what I've done with my life, and I think about what I want to do with my life, and I think about where I'm at now, where I want to go, how to get there, and I just start contemplating life. And I was proposed this question this week, and the question is, life is blank. Life is blank. If you had to fill in that blank, what would you say? Life is what? Somebody talk to me. What? Death. death. Life is death, okay? Short. Good. Short. Glorious. One more. Somebody give me one more. Wonderful. Wonderful. Righteousness. Nobody said a box of chocolates. <sighs> I'm so disappointed. Of course, Forrest Gump said, life is, Forrest Gump's mama said, life is like a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. Speaking of box of chocolates, Valentine's are coming up. Some of you ladies and fellows are going to get a box of chocolates. You're going to take a bite of one, expecting it to have cream in the middle, but it's going to have something else in the middle, and it's not going to be what you thought it was going to be. Such is life, amen? Things come up that don't work out the exact way you have planned. You have ideas, you have hopes and dreams of the way things will go, and then whatever it is happens, and it's nowhere near. I think of marriage when I think of it. No, I'm joking. I kid. I kid. I love you. I love you a lot. You're the best. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me by far. I love you. <laughs> Don't leave me. So anytime I think of life, I like, to, I like to, to, to think about it in terms of what the Scripture says about it, right? If we really believe that God himself is the author of life, if we really believe that he's the creator of all life, then it's important for us to know what he says about life. And it's important for us to know what he says life is and where life comes from and how life goes and how life ends. So that's what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at what Jesus Christ himself had to say about life. For that to happen, we're going to look at John chapter 10, starting in verse 7, says this. Therefore, stop. Those of you that have been around for a couple of years, you know exactly what I'm getting ready to say. Anytime you read therefore in Scripture, what do you have to do? You've got to find out why therefore is therefore. Because therefore is a connection word. So Jesus is connecting something that he wrote before or something that he said before with something he's getting ready to say. So, What did he say in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6? We're not going to read it. I'm going to give you a quick summary. What we find out in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, the religious leader, the self-righteous people, tried to earn heaven by the way they live instead of accepting the gift of God uh, through Jesus. He was talking to the Pharisees. And what he did is he he was telling the Pharisees, basically, he said, listen, here's what life is. Life is found in me. He actually he compares life to a good shepherd, to a shepherd that shepherds sheep, and he says that I am the gate, I am the doorway, I am the way to. Life. When you want to talk about life, you're talking about me. Jesus says in verses 1 through 6, I am the gate to get to life. I am the way to get to life. And we're going to look at that just a little bit. But then we get to verses 7 through 10, and he says this. Apparently, the Pharisee did not understand what he was trying to say. They didn't understand the gate. They didn't understand the shepherd and the sheep and him being the doorway to life. Because Jesus went on to say, therefore, very truly I tell you. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, Jesus says once again. That's the third time in about three verses that he says this. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Then you get to the Famous verse in this section, uh, verse 10. Jesus says, they will come in, uh, no, Jesus says in verse 10, the enemy comes, the thief comes, only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What in the world is Jesus talking about? What does sheep and gates have to do with life? Here's what sheep and gates have to do with life. There are two types of sheep pens that they had back in this day. One was in the village where the people lived when the shepherds would lead the sheep home, would lead the sheep to the village or to the town that they lived in, they had stationary pens set up. They had walls built that they would lead the sheep into. That wall had a doorway in it, of course, and the gate would close. They would be a shepherd on guard there 24 hours a day, all day, every day, and he had a key that locked that gate. There was only one key that unlocked the gate, and that was the shepherd had it. Nobody could get in, no sheep could get out no wolf could get in to take the sheep because the shepherd had the one key to the gate in verses one through six what jesus is telling the pharisee that i am that shepherd i have the key i am the way i have to unlock the door i have to do what the father sent me to do so that you can have life so that you can get through the door so that you can come and go as you please the second type of pen that we see in scripture and at this time is when the sheep were out on the in the country and on the hillside. They had no permanent home. They had no permanent. Pen. So what they would do is they would carry these little makeshift pens that they would set up out in the, wild- out in the, in the, in the countryside. Because in the spring and summer months, the shepherd would not lead the sheep out to the countryside in the morning and then back home at night. He would stay out. They would stay out in the, um, in the country all day during the good months. So what they would do is they would build pens. They would build temporary pens. However, these pens did not have a gate. All it had was a doorway. There was nothing blocking the door. The sheep could come and go. Wolves could come and go. The thief, the enemy, could come and get into the pen anytime. So what did the shepherd do to stop it? Does anybody know? Slept in the door. door. At nighttime, the shepherd would lay down in the doorway, and he would sleep there. Why would he sleep there? Because if any sheep tried to get out, they had to go over him, and it would wake him up. He would go get the sheep back in. If any wolf tried to get into the pen, they would have to go over the shepherd to get into the pen to get the sheep. So what Jesus is saying this is not only am I the gate, not only am I the way to get in, not only am I the way of life, not only am I the gate of life, but I am also the good shepherd that sleeps here. I'm the good shepherd that protects you at nighttime. I'm the good shepherd that wakes you up in the morning and leads you out in the day. I'm the good shepherd that provides for you while we're out on the countryside. I'm the good shepherd that takes care of you to make sure no wolves can get you at nighttime. I'm the good shepherd that keeps the thief out. I'm the good shepherd that does for you what you cannot do for yourself. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says in verse 11. That is me. The Greek words for I am is ego eme. E-G-O-E-M-E, Ego M A. What Ego M me A means is the same thing that God the Father told Moses at the burning bush when he says, I am. When Moses says, who are you? He says, I am. Here Jesus says, I am the gatekeeper. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. If you want to know what life is all about, life comes through me you get in through me. You come out through me. At nighttime, I'm here asleep watching over you. In the mornings, I wake you up. When you leave the house, I'm with you. When you need direction, I'm there. When you need hope, I'm here. When you need healing, I got it. You need forgiveness, the good shepherd's there. Jesus is saying, life is only found in me because I am the way in, I am the way out. I am the one that protects, leads, guards, and guides all aspects of your life. When Jesus says he's the good shepherd, he's saying he is simply the source of all life. Now, what we find in verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy But I come so that they may have life and have abundant life or have full life or have more life. What we find in those, that one verse, we learn a couple things about life. We first learn that our life can be stolen from us. Our life can be taken from us. Make no mistake about it, you have an enemy today out to steal from you, out to kill you, and out to destroy you. The enemy's not cool. The enemy's not fun. The enemy doesn't have cool stuff planned for you. He has plans to steal, kill, and destroy from you. However, the enemy doesn't just come right out and say that. Right? Wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be sweet if the enemy would come up to my man Chris and say, I'm coming to kill you. I'm going to jump on you. I'm going to take in your family. I'm taking your job. I'm taking everything. I'm coming to get your soul. I'm going to kill you. But that's not how the enemy works, right? The enemy a little smarter than that because he knows that if he tells Chris he's coming to kill him, Chris is going to stay away from him. But that's not how the enemy works. The enemy is a little smoother than that. The enemy likes to hunt a little bit better than that. So what the enemy does is he'll, like, get his target. He starts looking, who do I want to get, who do I want to get, who do I want to get, and then he finds them, he locks eyes on them, Barrett, you're just the lucky one today, buddy, just, just, hang, just hang in there and work with me, okay, just, just listen, don't get mad at me, just hang in and work with me, bro, he locks eyes on the enemy, now it'd be nice if he just runs straight up to you and let you know, but he doesn't do that. He'll hide. <laughs> He'll make sure bear it's not looking. And what happens? once the enemy gets to where he's got a good a good path Didn't he work there? thank you when Barrett's not looking when Barrett thinks everything's okay when Barrett tries to do stuff on his own when Barrett tries to do stuff in his own power then the enemy will start to stand up and he will start to get closer he's getting on his prey What happens is we think everything's all good, we don't see it coming, and then before we know it, get ready, bro, just get ready, the enemy is all on you like nobody's business. You didn't realize it at the time, but the enemy was over here looking at you, making his plan. It'd be nice if he just ran up to you and said, I'm going to kill you. That's not what he does. The enemy hunts you down. The enemy gets you when you're not looking. The enemy comes from behind. The enemy tries to get you to believe lies about your life so that you won't trust the Lord with your life, so that you will believe what he says about life and that you won't look to the good shepherd and the gatekeeper and the gate himself for life. How does the enemy try to steal your life? A couple different ways. Number one, number one, he tries to, be, to make you believe that your life is all about Possessions your life is all about possessions. The world will tell you that life is all about possessions. Like if you have more possessions, your life would be better. That's a stealer of life. That's not true. Can anybody testify that's not true? Here's the deal. Can I tell you the truth about possessions? Possessions have the ability to leave us. Right? Possessions have the ability to walk away. We have the ability to lose them we have the ability to have them taken away from us so what happens if if we really believe that possessions bring us life then once those possessions are taken from us guess what you have lost your life you have no purpose you have no reason for living we also believe the lie sometimes from the enemy that pleasure brings life that pleasure brings life. You know any people who's, who I just want to be happy, people? I just want to be happy. They get mad at you because they're living a destructive lifestyle, but you don't want them to be happy. Because they just want to be happy. I'm not hurting anybody, is what they say. I just, just want to be happy. I just want to do my own thing. I, it makes me happy. I'm not hurting anybody else. P- pleasure. Here's the deal with putting your life, basing your life on pleasure. Pleasure's only here for a moment, right? Once that pleasure runs out, guess what? You're chasing something else. Once that pleasure runs out, you're chasing something else. Pleasure. Basing your life on pleasure is an inward focus. Happiness is an inward focus. It looks at selfishness. It looks at greed. What do I want? What's going to make me happy? Where we compare that to joy in the scripture. Joy comes from God. Joy is eternal. Joy cannot be taken away. Happiness can be here depending on where I'm at, what I'm going through, and who I'm with. That is pleasure. When we put our life on pleasure and those things are taken away, we have all of a sudden lost our life. third thing that can steal our life is when the enemy gets you to believe that life is all about performance life is all about performance here's the deal we want to do good in our everyday life right no doubt at our job we want to do a good job at our job no doubt We want to be a good husband, we want to be a good wife, we want to be good parents, we want to be good friends, and all that stuff is good, and I'm all for, and our relationship with the Lord should lead us to be all those things. However, however, when we start to believe that life is all about how I perform, or how I succeed, or how successful I am, here's what happens, here's the danger of that. I may not be able to do what I'm good at today, tomorrow. Age. (laughs) Age kicks in, right? You see this lots of times with musicians, with athletes, professionals in some, some area of life. They work their whole life to achieve something, to get to a certain mountaintop. Once they get there, one of two things happens. One, they're gonna wanna do it again, so it consumes their life all over again. Or two, they don't ever get back there again for one reason or another, and that goal, that mountaintop, that dream that they had is taken from them for whatever reason, and then you lose your purpose for life, you lose your reason for living when you don't reach the success that you had hoped to reach for? There's nothing wrong with wanting to be good at what you do and be a good person and all that stuff. I'm all for, all for, all for. But that's not life. Because if that's our life, once we don't reach that goal for whatever reason, then we have no purpose to live. We have no reason to live. So what we find here in Scripture, John chapter 10, we see that, Things can come into our life and steal our life. We see that things can come into our life and kill our life. I hope you know today that the enemy, number one goal, is to kill you. That's it. That's all he really cares about. He'll do it through taking stuff out of your life. He'll do it through taking you out. He don't care. He wants to make sure you stay away from Jesus. He wants to make sure there's no everlasting life in your heart. He wants to make sure, and he will do everything possible to kill you. He's after you. He'll crawl on the floor. He'll crawl over some pews to get to you. He don't care. He'll get to you. He's out to steal. He's out to kill, and he's out to destroy you. And for some reason, the world wants us to believe that that's not a bad thing. The world wants us to believe that he's not that bad. The world wants us to believe that it's okay. He's not that big of a deal. Can I tell you the truth this morning? If somebody's trying to kill me, it's a big deal. If somebody's trying to take away eternity from me, it's a big deal. If somebody's trying to stop me from the author of life, from the, uh, from the creator of life, it's a big deal. If somebody's trying to keep me away from eternity with God the Father forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, that's a big deal. He's out to steal it from you, he's out to kill you, and he's out to destroy every single thing in your life. That's who we're up against. So what is life this morning? Life's able to be stolen from you. Your life's able to be taken away. And your life's able to be destroyed. Luckily, that's not the end of this verse. Amen. Good news this morning. There's more left to do. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come... To give life, and not just regular life, not just normal, ordinary life, but Jesus says, I come to give life to the full, or abundant life. What is life this morning? Life, my friends, is found in Jesus. Real life, real life is found in Jesus jesus christ jesus or john writes in chapter 1 verse 3 that all things were created and made in him jesus today is the author of all life that we see around us john eleven twenty five. 25 jesus himself says that i am the resurrection and the life and we all know john 14 6 where jesus says i am the way the truth and the no one comes to the father except through me time and time again Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says, I am life. I'm the good shepherd. You come in life through me. You go out of life through me. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way to life. I'm the truth of life. I am life itself Jesus says, and what we see in those couple of scriptures there, we see two things. One, that we see that Jesus Christ is the source of our earthly life. Jesus is the source of our earthly life. I hope you know this morning, everything that you have in life today is because of the Lord. You may think your brain is your source. No. You may think your job is your source. Nope. Your paycheck is not your source. Food is not your source. People in your life is not your source. Now, before you think I'm crazy, let me share. All that stuff is good. I'm not telling you to quit your job. Duke Power don't care about your source. (laughs) Right? They care about getting their payment every month. (laughs) That's all they care. They don't care where it comes from. Just give me the money. Job is important. Paycheck's important. Food, people, all that stuff is important. But that's not our source. Our source for joy is not people. Thank God. Because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Sometimes people are dumb. Maybe lots of times people are dumb. People are mean. People will lie to you. They'll cheat on you. They'll stab you in the back. They'll forget about you. They'll leave you. So if you're looking at another person for a source of joy or a source of direction or a source of hope in life or as a source for eternity, the problem comes in when that person is gone. Same's true with our jobs and our paychecks. We think that's our source to joy. We think that's the source to having our house. We think that's our source to be able to, to have a car and pay our bills. No, 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 no you have a job today, where'd you get the ability to do that job? The Lord. Where'd you get the mind to be able to think through and do what you do with your job? The Lord. Who gives you the physical ability to wake you up in the morning and get you going in the morning to get you to the office or get you to the lumber yard or get you to the workshop, get you wherever you go? Who gives you that physical ability to get you there every day? It's the Lord. Lots of times we get ourselves confused as being our own source. I can do it. You ever been there? You can say yes, it's okay. I've been there. I'm smart enough to do this, no problem. I'm talented enough to do this, no problem. I'm skilled enough, I went to college. It took me seven years to get a four year degree. I can do this. I got more college than most people. Our degree says the exact same. I just like being there a little more than they did. I can do this, no problem. When in reality, the only reason we're able to think the way we think, physically do what we do, know what we know, go where we go, is because the Lord gives us the ability to do so. He is the source of our earthly life. He's the reason we do what we do. He's the ability for us to do what we do. And we see also, Jesus said in John chapter 11, that he is the resurrection and the life. Not only is Jesus the source of all earthly life, he is the source for all eternal life. Yesterday I told you we had a funeral in here for Angelo Santilli. Um, I was talking to Bill, his son Bill, over in the office one day this last week, and Bill said these words. He said, Michael, I may just start bawling at the funeral. I may just start crying like crazy. I said, well, that's okay. That's fine. Emotions are good. The mourning process is, is good. I said, but let me just give you some, some little encouragement. I said, I don't want to stop you from mourning because you need to cry. Sometimes you need to yell. Maybe you need to throw something against the wall. If you, That's your deal. I don't know. I said, but the mourning process is good. I said, but let me just encourage you. I said is your dad is your dad a believer in the Lord? He said yeah. I said bro, if you could see death from his perspective today, there would be no tears. Now there may still be tears because we lost a dad, a brother, a friend, a grandpa, whatever. And that's fine. That's part of the mourning process. But there would be no tears from him. There would be no tears for him because the word teaches that in heaven, people that are in heaven today are more, more alive than you and I are sitting here today. You have a loved one in heaven today? Yep, all of us do. All of us do. You realize this morning that you are sitting, that you are living in the land of the dying? You realize everything around us is dying? Plants. Food gets old. People, we ain't going to be here forever. You and I today are living in the land of the dying. Bill's daddy, your loved one that's in heaven, you know where they're living? They're living in the land of the living, where there is no death. There is no sin to taint their emotions their feelings, their actions. No one dies where they're at. No one withers away. No one's forgotten. No one's left behind. There's no heartache. There's no pain. There's no struggle. There's no sin where they're at. They are with the Father. I said, Bill, if we could see death from his perspective right now, yeah, we would still be sad because we lost a dad. but We wouldn't be sad for Angelo Santilli. Because Angelo is more alive now than what you and I are sitting here. Because we're all dying. He's living. You and I today had the ability, had the way to get to that land of the living. Because Jesus is the source for eternal life. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made a way for you to get to eternal life by his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus made a way for you to get to the land of the living. Jesus made a way for you to get to eternity in heaven where there's no sin, where there's no pain, where there's no valleys and no struggle. Jesus made a way through his life, death, and resurrection. For you to be in his presence forever and ever and ever. Those streets of gold we read about, Jesus made a way for you to see it. The walls of Jasper, Jesus made a way for you to see it. Your loved one that is already there waiting on you, Jesus made a way for you to see them. That's thanks be to Jesus for what he done for you and I today. Make no mistake about it. Life is only found in Jesus. Earthly life and eternal life. Jesus says in John 10, I'm the gate. You come in through me. You go out through me. He says, I'm the good shepherd that lays down my life, that lays down at the doorway, that protects you at nighttime." I'm the one that gives you life. I'm the one that heals. I'm the one that forgives. I'm the one that leads, guards, and guides. I'm the one that gives you life.